morning. As much as you can take. I know you're full, I'll let you go. <laughs> or will you turn me off? Whichever comes first, praise the Lord. All right, are you in the, no, let me give you the scripture. Hebrews chapter 2, please. Hebrews 2. Hebrews 2. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to read the first four verses of this chapter. Hebrews chapter 2. You get there, say amen. amen. Okay, Hebrews 2, verses 1 through 4. If you're there, I'd like you to read it with me. Please, we're going to read from the New King James Version. If you don't have that, it'll be on the screen in front of you, okay? Let's read together. Ready, read. Therefore, we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. For if the word spoken through angels proves steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience receive a just reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him. God also bearing witness both with signs and wonders, with various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his own will. Verse 3 again says, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? Today I want to use this subject, don't neglect your salvation. Don't neglect your salvation salvation. Thank you, Father, today for the word we're about to receive. I pray, Father, that, ye, that we, your people, will have hearing ears, seeing eyes, and open hearts to receive everything that you speak to us. Father, I ask you for clarity of thought, clarity of speech, and that, Father, your people will grab a hold of, that this will serve as a time of rededication and commitment, of stirring up in the hearts of your people the importance of our salvation and an appreciation for our salvation that will never abandon it nor neglect it, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 All right, take your seats. Don't neglect, thank you, man. Don't neglect your salvation. Do you remember how excited you were when, when you got your, when you started your job? Wow, it's been so long ago and the excitement's so gone, y'all like, I don't even remember being excited. Wow, that was an amazing response. That was like crickets in here. <laughs> I don't even remember being excited. You were. Remember you applied for that job? You prayed for that job, sowed a seed for that job, asked somebody to agree with you for that job. And when you first got it, how excited you were? You were always on time. Remember when you were always on time for your job? Remember you always came back from lunch on time? Remember when you just wouldn't call in? All right, let me ask another question. How many of you remember when you first bought or received your, your, your vehicle? Your car, your truck. Remember how excited you were back then? Always washed it. Always cleaned it, did the tires. Nobody could eat it. Wait, 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 wait. No, no eating in my car. Because that was your new, shiny new car. Whether it was brand new or just new to you, it was your car. And you were excited when you got it. And you took good care of it. You were attentive to it. You, I mean, you get home and just rub on it. Took good care of it. Now it's French fries and old cheeseburgers under the seat back there. And <laughs> if it's McDonald's, they're still there from 10 years ago. It's still, burgers hadn't even decayed yet. What about when you move into your first place? 
or the place you're in now. Remember how excited you were when you moved into your place? Oh, you pray, God, I need this apartment. God, I need this house. I need this. And God opened the door and you got in there and, oh, you always kept that place clean. You vacuumed all the time and no dishes left in the sink. Remember how you were? Buying little whatnots and knickknacks and paddywhacks and decorations and every time you were out, you saw, oh, that would go so nicely. But now, you eat in bed. I'll let you finish the rest. What about when you first got married? Hey, hey now. How excited you were. Open doors, you're always affectionate. You wore, you wore fancy pajamas. Now. Now, I, I, got, I got some, okay, I don't want to start any problems. I got husbands pointing at wives and wives pointing at husbands. Okay, I better be careful about that. You always kept yourself groomed and good hygiene and all that good stuff. Y'all newlyweds, y'all like, what, what are you talking about? We still do that. Okay, I'm talking about the rest of us. You remember. What about when you first had your children? You just get them and bathe them in the little tub or in the sink and always did the little hair. You made, you, you cooked for them. Remember, remember back when you cooked for your kids? Remember way back when you actually cooked for them? Made them a nice little, you cut the little bread off the, the, the crust off the bread for them. And bought them some new geranimals, outfits. Remember way back then? Remember way back then? You did, how you always attended? Remember how you, you would read to them when they were going to bed, read a little story? But now, they got to find their own clothes. They got to iron for themselves now. They're just, they're just three. Not, now you're not going to cook anything. They got to go find their own. Just, you better go in there and find something. <laughs> not, not, now not only do you not reach them, you don't even check their homework. Remember when they were in first grade, you went to all the PTA meetings in first grade. By the time they hit fourth grade, you don't even know what the teacher's name is. What happens? What happens in every one of those situations is that when the newness wears off, familiarity creeps in. When the newness wears off, familiarity creeps in. And you start taking things for granted. Or you take each other for granted. 
Come on now. Because the newness is worn off. Romans chapter 6 verse 4 says this. That you and I are supposed to be walking in the newness of life. Even so, we should walk in the newness of life. Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so, we also should walk in newness of life. And we normally equate that to, okay, let's just walk, now, now that you got saved, uh, walk in a new life, a new way of living. But let's look at the Amplified Classic translation of that, which gives us really what the, the, the tone and, uh, and the meaning from the Greek it says here, we were buried therefore with him by the baptism into death so that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, so we too might habitually live and behave in newness of life. So this isn't just when you get born again, now I walk in newness of life. It's now habitually I walk in newness of life. Every day I stay new and I stay fresh. Every day I keep walking with God and I don't let the freshness wear off. That's what happens with when your, your car gets older now. That's what happens when your apartment, you've been in there for, you know, more than a month now. That's what happens when you've been married more than a year or you, your kids are now starting to grow up and they have teeth. Now the, the freshness, the newness wears off. And what that novelty that you were so delighted by now has gone away and you begin to sort of neglect. Wow. Says habitually live and behave in newness of life. Second Corinthians 5.17, you know this one so well, where Paul said, if any man be in Christ, or if anyone is in Christ, he is what? A new creature or a new creation. All things have old things have passed away, and behold, come on. All things have become new. So we've got to be sure that we never let the newness wear off. All things have become new. When they're new, you are excited. A new job, a new car, a new, you know, a, a new outfit you got, that new outfit that you just had to have. That when you first got at home, you took such good care of it and hung it up nicely. But after a while, now you just kind of fling it in. I know not you, the person next to you probably does this. They just kind of fling it somewhere. Why? Because that newness, that novelty has worn off and you, you begin to lose your appreciation for what you have. We launched a new movement this past Sunday entitled Jesus Changed My Life. Something I'm so excited about, I, I, just, I really just think about it every single day. And most of us can testify in here that if, if Jesus Christ had not stepped in, if God had not stepped in and changed our lives, we'd be hopeless. Come on now, we'd be lost, be miserable. We'd be on our way or already in a devil's hell. I know I would have been. The course I was on, I would have been in a devil's hell by now. But Jesus stepped in. Jesus changed my life. Did he change your life? Are you still happy about that? Are you still excited about that? In fact, I can tell you that, that what I've seen around here over the last few weeks since we had that, that evangelism training was a sense of a, a resurgence, rather, of that excitement. That, you know, things that you kind of, you know, you kind of let die down. You kind of like, wow, thank God for saving me. Thank God for turning my life around. Thank God for, for what he did. I, I, I'd kind of forgotten some of those things, but now I thank you, Lord. Really appreciate once again, God, thank you for stepping in. Right on time. In the nick of time. 
just before I plunged over into eternity. Thank you for stepping into my life. Hallelujah. The Bible says in John chapter 1 verse 16, in John chapter 1 verse 16 it says this, and of his fullness, this is Jesus, we have all received and grace for grace. So we received of his fullness, being saved. Some of us testified in our, we wrote those testimonies out about being saved. Some of us have written about being healed. Some of us have written out about being delivered. How many of y'all know about being delivered? All those things we receive have been gifts from God. Receive from Jesus. Of his fullness, the Bible says, we have all received and grace for grace. So we're all recipients and then beneficiaries of his grace. In the book of Titus, chapter 2, Titus, chapter 2, and verse 11, listen to what Paul says to Titus, one of his sons in the faith. He says, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. So what brings salvation? The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, to all men. Now, all men have not received. All men have not accepted it. But those of us who have, we've received what came from the grace of God. Oh, man. In other words, you and I couldn't have worked for it. In fact, let's prove that. In Ephesians 2, verse 8, Paul says this to the church at Ephesus. Ephesians 2, verse 8, Paul says this. He says, for by grace you have been saved through, through what? So that means you put faith in something. That means you believe something. So that grace that appeared to all, if people don't put their faith in that, if they don't believe that, they can't receive what has appeared. The grace is there. The salvation is there. But only those of us who have put our faith in that, we receive it. He says, and that not of yourselves, it is. Come on. So your salvation is a gift. Hallelujah. I want y'all to just think back for a moment. Think back, I because I need some of y'all to catch up with me. Think back to when you were a wretched, low-down, dirty, dull, rotten, scoundrel sinner. Or maybe some of y'all were good sinners. You were sinners, but you just weren't bad. That's, that's okay. We were all sinners nonetheless. And just think, you didn't have enough money, enough clout, enough connections, and you weren't cute enough to get saved. You couldn't, you couldn't, you couldn't be saved by your cuteness. You couldn't be saved by your clout. You couldn't be saved by your connections. You couldn't be saved by your money. That's why salvation had to become, had to be a gift. Everybody say it's a gift. And a very precious gift. The Bible says, he says, uh, Peter says this, we were not redeemed from our old lifestyle with corruptible things like silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. No, y'all didn't catch it. We were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold. In other words, there was silver and gold couldn't buy what we received. But we were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ. Yeah, I want you to imagine this. Just thank you. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Imagine the children of Israel 
400 years in slaves, as slaves. And they couldn't get out. No matter what they did, they couldn't get out. No matter what they desired, they couldn't get out. But that final plague when blood was shed, the blood of the lamb was shed. The door opened wide for them to come out. If that blood had not been shed, they would have still been enslaved. But you and I, because we were slaves as well, if that blood of Christ had not been shed on Calvary's cross, you and I would have still been slaves. Slaves to sin, come on. Slaves to drugs. Slaves to alcohol. Slaves to promise, 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 how y'all say the word? Promiscuity. I'm just messing with you. I know how to say it. That's it. Well, people don't understand promiscuity. Perversion. Sexual sins. Slaves to gambling, slaves to whatever, to abuse. Slaves to depression. But the blood was shed. The blood, I, see, I don't know, I know we don't preach about that enough. But the blood was shed. Your salvation cost you something. It was free to you, but it cost something. It was free to receive, but it was not free to give. And we got to, in this modern day, get a better understanding, a greater understanding and appreciation for the blood, the costly blood. We are redeemed, not with silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Somebody just say, thank you for the blood. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Come on, nothing. I couldn't fight my way out. I couldn't talk my way out. And I couldn't buy my way out. But the blood that was shed for me, the precious blood. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So salvation is free, but it costs Jesus his life. And that's what makes salvation so precious. That's what makes salvation so precious. Because it costs someone everything. Old stories told about, about a chicken and a pig in a farm who said, we're going to provide breakfast for someone, the farmer is going to have breakfast on us. And the chicken laid the eggs and said, look what I did. But the pig couldn't lay an egg. He had to lay down his life. The pig had to give everything for the farmer to have breakfast. You'll get it by Thursday. Jesus couldn't just come and preach a message. He couldn't just come and give you a card. He couldn't just come and pass out fish and bread. To get us saved, he had to literally lay down his life for us. That's why the Bible says that you and I when we fall back into sin, we trample the blood of Jesus Christ underfoot. 
Oh, but when you and I fall into sin, he's the Bible says we trample his blood. We count his blood as something worthless. And I need you to see that your salvation is very precious. It's very precious. It's costly. Remember the Bible talks about that woman who anointed Jesus Christ with a costly ointment, a costly perfume. What made it so costly, not only was the expense of it, but this woman had given her life for it. This was, this was a, 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 a year's worth of salary, they say that they estimated it cost of her own, of her life. I, I don't want to describe to you what she was doing. Of her giving of herself. Yo, <laughs> I'll, let you, I'll let you look the scripture up. So Jesus, for you and me to be born again, had to give up his life. Thank you, Lord. And I really want us to grasp that. When we get tempted by the wicked one, when we let thoughts enter into our hearts, think about what it costs Jesus for us to be saved. When we can take church or leave it, just take it or leave it. I don't you know, no big deal this Sunday. Think about what it cost Jesus to create the church. Because the church, we are the body of Christ. So when you and I begin to understand that and appreciate that, we begin to see this gift as more precious. Can somebody say Amen. I was praying Friday morning, and as I, as I was praying, the Lord brought back to my remembrance time many years ago. I was um, about 14 years old, and my father came home one day, surprised me. He had bought me a brand new shiny trumpet, brand new shiny trumpet. I, I love to play trumpet. And that time I've been, up until that time, I've been using an old cornet. Y'all know what a cornet is. And a cornet is basically a, a trumpet that's smashed. <laughs> and it was an old one that, that my cousin had donated to me. Because we didn't have money to buy an instrument. My cousin gave me her old trumpet, her old cornet. And I played that and I practiced on it every day because I enjoy playing the trumpet. Just play every day and I learn and I learn and I learn. And uh, went to school and I played trumpet, played this cornet. And one day my father comes home with this beautiful, brand new, shiny, shiny trumpet. Oh, oh my God. Talk about changing my life. This shiny new trumpet. And I remember that it was so special to me. And then about a year later, year and a half later, my father moved to heaven. So, of course, it felt extra special, precious, because it was the, seemed to me the greatest gift my father had ever given me, this trumpet. 
And I played with excitement. I played with zeal. I would, I would get solos in the marching band. I mean, I was known for that. And, but eventually, as I hit about 16, 17, I start thinking about other stuff. Come over here. You know what happens to boys, you turn about 16, 17. Before then, really, but 16, 17, parents are gone, both moved to heaven already by then. Kind of got a little freedom, got a, got a car, got a little freedom. And as Jesus says, other things entering in. And I got caught up in a whole lot of other things. And the more I got caught up in other things, the less interested I became in my trumpet. Not only did, did my skills begin to diminish, but I began to sort of just... I, I didn't care for that trumpet as much as I used to. In other words, when I first got it, boy, I would shine it every day. You know, they come with this cleaning cloth, and you just shine that baby every day. And you would oil those, those valves, whoo, keep it nice and whoo, running. Make sure you emptied out the spit valves, you know, just nice. Get all the gunk out of there. How many of you ever played a brass instrument like that? You just, oh, so you know what I'm talking about here. And, but but as, as, as other things entered in, I stopped shining it every day. I stopped oiling the valves every day. I stopped, I stopped cleaning all the spit out of the, out of the valves every day. <laughs> to the point you go and, and you pick it up and the valves don't even move. You just, you're trying to play and the valves stick. And you look, open it up and all of a sudden there's this gunk inside. And, and I, I, just, I just, I lost my, the, the newness at war, I lost my passion for it, and, 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 and I began to just kind of be careless with it. And whereas before, I'd hold it and be very real careful, I'd, almost, I'd start just letting it bang against stuff. And it, it would get scratches on it. Before you know it, I had dents all in that trumpet. To the point where eventually I, I damaged it. And kept, I kept trying to play it, but, you know, because it didn't look as well, it, it didn't have the, as much, you know, pizzazz to it. To the point that I eventually lost it. And to this day, if you were to ask me, where's that trumpet? I have no clue. One day, I, I just, I moved on. I would play that trumpet in my old church. And I remember when I moved on, the trumpet never even crossed my mind. So I have no clue to this day where that trumpet ever ended up. That thing that once, when I first got it, was everything. When I first got it, it was the best thing I could have. I felt like I was on top of the world when I first got it. But now the newness had worn off. And now distractions had come in. Now desires for other things had entered into my heart. And I began to pay less and less attention to it and more and more attention to other things. And I began to care less about it and care more about other things that I let it become damaged and ultimately 
lost. And when I was praying Friday morning, that's what he brought back to my remembrance. He said, you remember that? I said, okay. What happened was I began to neglect that precious gift. Tell your neighbor, don't lose your gift. You and I must, never, must be careful to never neglect the precious gift the Lord has given us. Well, you saying we can lose it? I'm not talking about losing it. I'm talking about when it, be, when it loses its preciousness in your eyes, you will neglect it and you will abandon it. And people who once were walking with God, excited about God, on fire for God, all of a sudden, they've grown so cold. Couldn't think of a scripture if you put a fire behind them. Can't remember the last time they spent more than two minutes praying. I'm going to come over here. Beyond throwing some little bop prayer over their food, they'd never even spend time with God. never got past their favorite scripture in the Bible and got into any kind of in-depth reading or study or devotion with God. Now they come to church once a year. So before you know it, it's just funerals and weddings maybe. Are you saying that they're not saved? I'm not saying that they're not saved. I'm talking about they've neglected their salvation. I'm not here to get into a doctrinal argument about that. I want to talk about the fact my, my, my job today is to encourage you to never neglect your salvation. <laughs> Can y'all handle this this morning? In Hebrews 2, look at that please. Hebrews 2. He says, he starts out Hebrews 2 verse 1, therefore. Therefore. So, we got to find out what is therefore. <laughs> Why did he say therefore? He goes through all of chapter 1, and he talks about some things here. In chapter 1, my Bible entitles the beginning of chapter 1, God's Supreme Revelation. And I want to show you there in verse 1 and 2. You have your Bibles? Look at Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. It says, God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past, to the fathers by the prophets, right? All the Old Testament, that's what happened. Has in these last days spoken to us by his son. So God moved from speaking to various prophets now to speaking by his son, whom he has appointed what? Heir of all things through whom also he made the world. So he gives us a background about Jesus Christ, who being, being the brightness of his glory, expressed image of his, perp of his person, and the, and the upholding, excuse me, and upholding all things by the word of his power. Jesus Christ has purged our sins. And he's now sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. He goes on from verse 4 on through the rest of the chapter, verse 14, talking about how Christ is superior to all the angels. And he says these angels, verse 14, are ministering spirits. Sent forth, watch this, to minister for those who will inherit 
salvation. So he spends all of chapter one and lays out the, this, this uh, foundation that you and I will inherit salvation. Well, I thought I was already saved. Yes, you and I are saved. We're born again, right? But how many understand, if you understand Bible course, we are saved, we are being saved, and we will be saved. In other words, the moment you and I got born again, okay, we became saved, yes. But we are going through a sanctification process. We are being saved. There are things you and I hopefully are still shedding off today. You and I just, we, we didn't get saved and stayed the same way. Come on now, we're maturing. There are things that you and I might have struggled in when we first got saved. We don't struggle in anymore. Come on now, help me out. We're not still doing those. We're not still falling into the same sins and the same temptations, the same things. The devil. We're not doing that anymore, right? So we were saved, but we are being saved. But ultimately, one day when Jesus Christ comes back, we will be saved. A total, complete salvation, a total, complete deliverance. So we're all in the salvation process. So he says, angels, they are ministering spirits sent for the minister for those who will inherit salvation. And we heard about this salvation according to, according to verse 1 and 2 from Jesus Christ, the Son himself. Got it? Yes, sir. So now chapter 2, chapter 2 says, therefore, therefore, since you and I are going to inherit salvation, since you and I are going to inherit this, this once and for all permanent deliverance, we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. So notice, he says, there's a danger out there. Everybody say there's a danger out there. What is the danger, pastor? The danger is drifting away. Well, I'm saved. But even saved, there's a danger of you drifting away. I guarantee if you thought you, didn't, you wouldn't really have to think really, really hard, you can think of somebody you know in your life, in your family, who's drifted away. And why did they drift away? Because they didn't take precautions. You ever gone to the beach? And, uh, you know, I know a lot of folk, when you live here, you don't really go to the beach all the time. <laughs> but uh, those of us who do go to the beach from time to time, they have all kind of warnings out there. Riptide warnings, current warnings. And they tell you that when there's that, when there's some kind of warning, some kind of danger, they'll give you a precaution. Here's what you do to make sure that doesn't happen to you. On the, on the road, you're traveling on the road, there's dangers ahead. So here's what you do. When you're coming around, some of you know when you're coming around uh, in, here in the city, those of you are watching, uh, MLK, 9th Street South, there's a, there's a bend right, right around uh, Lake Megory. And so the, the, the danger is if you, if the danger is you going off the road in a tangent. So the precaution is slow down. If you slow down, you can take the curve properly. If you don't slow down, you're going to be over here somewhere. So we see a danger and we see a precaution. The danger is drifting away. The precaution is Give more in his heat to the things we have heard. Can you understand this here? Everybody has or faces the danger of drifting away. 
Oh, no, I'm saving. I speak in tongues. Everybody faces the danger of drifting away. Oh, no, I'm a pastor. I'm a usher. I'm a deacon. Everybody. No, I've been saved 35 years. Everybody. Paul talks about a man who was in his ministry, on his ministry team, named Demas. D-E-M-A-S, Demas. He says Demas, who was on his ministry team, preaching the gospel with him, he says, Demas has forsaken me having loved this present world. Demas, preaching the gospel, and turned away because he loved the world. So I don't care how sanctified, Holy Ghost filled, fire baptized you are, if you don't take precaution. How many of y'all have been on a boat before? You're not scared to go on boats. <laughs> a lot of people ain't never been on a boat and not going on a boat. But if you've been on a boat, boats drift. Because when you're on a boat, you're not, water doesn't act like land, which just sits there. There's a current. Whether it's a strong current or a very mild current, there's always a current. So boats drift. And the only way to keep your boat from drifting is to drop what we call an anchor. The Bible says this hope we have in him as an anchor for our soul. So to keep from drifting, you have to anchor your soul, anchor your life in something. And don't let the wind and the waves of doctrine let cause you to drift away. You, you want to sleep on the boat and wake up and you're five miles down, down the, over in the ocean somewhere. Why? I went to sleep. Stop paying attention. Stop doing anything. Stop moving. And just kind of just relaxed. You let a boat relax and it's going to drift. It's going to go wherever the current takes it. And what the devil wants is, to let, is for you as children of God is to relax on your faith. Relax on your prayer. Relax on your worship. Relax on your praise. Relax on the word. Relax in your fasting. Relax in your service to God. Because the moment you relax, he knows that the current events will carry you away. The current climate will carry you away. The current times will carry you away. And you'll look up. How, hey, how did I get way over here offshore? We used to sing a song growing up. Throw out the lifeline. Someone is drifting away. And if people don't holler, SOS, save me, help, help me. They'll be drifting, drifting and gone. Unseen. So he says the precaution, y'all got time for this today. The precaution against drifting away he says it's to give more earnest heed to the things we have heard you know just like later on in Hebrews chapter 10 when he says that you and I as we see the day approaching we are to gather all the more isn't it interesting that most Christians agree Jesus Christ is coming soon and yet many of them are gathering less. I better look over here. Many of them are gathering less. 
I don't have to come all the time. I can just, I can just do it by myself. Wait a minute, wait a minute. He said the precaution against missing that coming of Christ is to gather all the more. He says if you don't gather, you take a chance of missing this. Because you're going to drift away. Is this helping anybody here so far? This isn't my favorite message to preach. This is just what he told me to preach. Yeah, it's, a, it's a checkup time. Check yourself and see. Let me, let me, wait, let me measure. But before, I was right there by the land, but now I'm, I'm looking, I'm, I'm five, I'm five nautical miles off. How did I get way over here? Just drifting. Drifting. Now things that people, what they say in the world. Now, now you find yourself cheering at the Super Bowl halftime show. Wasn't that good? Wait a minute, Christian. What do you mean wasn't that good? You don't even realize you've drifted. You celebrate what those people are saying and singing, and you you know the words. You know the words. You know the foul and the filthy things they were saying. Oh no, they bleeped it out. You know they can bleep out all they want to. You know what they're endorsing by that music. Oh, but that's 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 my jam. I I grew up on that. Grow up again. Get born again. You are not in that family anymore. You are in the body of Christ. And you don't realize the reason why you're celebrating is because you've drifted. You've drifted. Yeah, this is your checkup morning. You're getting checked up today. This is your checkup day today. You've drifted. And God is saying, get back in here. Give more earnest heed to what you've heard. You heard the truth. You've heard the truth. You've heard the right words from God. And don't, so don't let the current tide pull you out. What the devil's been doing even against, against people in, in the church and in this nation over the last few years has just been, I mean, demonic, of course. Now here you are, upset with folk because of how they look, upset with folk because of how they talk, upset with folk because of how they live. You've drifted. You're not walking in love. Love doesn't walk like that. Love doesn't let you be angry with somebody because of their skin color or because of their hair color. Love doesn't let you be angry with somebody no, because of their denomination. Love doesn't do that. You've drifted. Well, you know, people have a right. They can live however they want to. Ain't none of my business. You've drifted. Well, I think every woman should just have a right to choose. You've drifted. You've drifted. Because that doesn't say that. See? And what happens is if you, if you never stop, catch yourself and turn that motor back on and head back to the shore. 
Look at this. Look, give me verse 1. Glory to God. Give me verse 1 in the easy to read version. He says, listen to this. So we must be more careful to follow what we were taught. We must be careful so that we will not be pulled away from the what? So there's a true way. And it's Jesus. I am the way, the truth, and the life. So he's the true way, the only way, thank you, the only way. So I've got to be careful to follow what I was taught. So, I mean, ladies and gentlemen, I, I <laughs> praise God. Y'all know I'm old school, and I, I don't make any, any uh, qualms about that. I'm old school. And so things that I was taught growing up, I mean, the Lord said take me back to most of those things I was taught because, you know, this new stuff, trying to be contemporary, trying to be, you know, uh, relevant, People try to be relevant and end up being irreverent. Have no reverence for God or his word. They're, only, they're, they're seeking the honor that comes from men. So I want to I I say whatever men say and whatever people agree is that that's what's right. I'm going to go with what, what the current fad is. As opposed to, wait a minute, but what did God's word say? And we don't realize it's those little tiny things like that that causes joy. See, it, it's just, it just took me one time, one time to not shine my trumpet. Y'all missed it. Just one, the one time I skipped it. That's, that, was the, that was the beginning. One time to just not all the vows when it's supposed to all the vows. One time to just let, let somebody hold it because I wouldn't let nobody hold it at first. It was, I just, just took me one time to let somebody else hold my trumpet. You know how some of y'all, you, you first had your baby, you wouldn't let anybody hold your baby. Uh-huh. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? Just, can I see the baby? See? <laughs> see? See with your hands. See with your eyes, not with your hands. <laughs> don't pass my baby around. Don't pass my baby around. I don't, I don't know where their hands been. I don't know what kind of spirit on them. That's what y'all used to say. I don't know what kind of spirit they have. So. Before, before you know it, now you just, you pass, hey, take hold of baby, honey. So all it took, so one, one time to not shine that trumpet. Thank you, Lord. So we need, we need a revival of the truth. We need a revival of the truth. I said we need a revival of the truth. One place Isaiah said, he said, the truth lies falling in the streets. Look at this. I'm going to show you a couple of places here. And I'll get, I'll get somewhere here and then we'll, we'll, we'll keep going next time. First Timothy chapter 4 verse 1. We need a revival of the truth. I mean, we need to go back to where we are looking at the word of God and saying what the word of God says. And not what the popular, watch this, not what the popular preacher says. I'm going to come over here. Not what the popular preacher says. Because just because the preacher said it doesn't mean it's truth. Because if the, if the preacher can't back it up with the word of God, 
See, you and I got to go back to being like in Acts 17, the people called the Bereans. Remember Paul was over there in Thessalonica, and these people called the Bereans over there, who they hear Paul preach, and the Bible said they go through and study. Let me see, make sure, let me make sure everything is right. So just because some toothy, you know, built... <laughs> put on veneers and put on the little muscle tidy shirt, you know, and say something don't mean, and because they have props and everything, makes, that doesn't make it the truth. Let's find out what the word of God says, ladies and gentlemen. Paul said, let God be true and every man a liar. So look at this. In, second, in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, he says, now the spirit expressly says, that in the latter times, these are latter times, right? Yes. Some will what? So people can leave the faith, isn't that, isn't that right? And what's causing them to depart from the faith? Giving heed, come on, to deceiving spirits and doctrines. So demons have doctrines too. The word doctrine simply means teachings. So demons teach. So just because you hear teaching doesn't mean it comes from God. So what causes people to, to err or depart the faith is when they start listening, giving heed. Remember what he told us in, in uh, Hebrews 2.1, give more earnest heed to what you have been taught, the word. But you depart the faith if you start giving heed to deceiving spirits. So, so there are deceiving spirits out there. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm just going to announce this to you as your pastor. If I preach anything to you and I can't back it up with scripture, don't listen to it. I forbid you to listen to me if I don't back it up with the word. You don't run me. I forbid you to listen to me if I don't back it up with the word. If I ever get out there, get crazy, and I can't back it up with scripture, don't listen to it. Bible says his truth endures for all generations. Not pastor's word. His truth endures to all generations. So what happens, the devil, Paul talked about people coming in, in these last days, this uh, false prophets, false teachers, who would deceive and be deceived. So people who are teaching deception is because they've been deceived. So giving heed to, to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, okay? Same chapter, go drop down to verse 13. Same chapter, verse 13. He, this is what Paul tells Timothy then. He says, Timothy, this is what you need to do. This is, this is my job as pastor. This is what you need to do as a member. Till I come, give attention. Don't neglect this. To what? To what? To what? So just reading is supposed to be helpful then. Pastor God just read the scripture. That's what he told me to do. And when you're at home, guess what you're supposed to do? Reading. But I didn't get anything out of it. Well, you took vitamins. You, you, didn't, you didn't lighten the golf when you took your vitamins, did you? You don't, you don't all of a sudden feel like, oh, these vitamins give me wings. Oh, no. You didn't, you didn't feel anything right away. But those vitamins go in there and they, they do something and you don't. Am I right about it? So just reading to exhortation. That's, that's a strong encouragement, a strong admonishment. To what else? 
doctrine. I'm going to say something here in a minute. Look at verse, uh, keep going, verse 14. Do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by, the, by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the eldership. Meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them. Entirely. Block out all the other things that's trying to enter into your life, ladies and gentlemen. That your progress... So if people can see when you are making progress, they can also see when you're regressing, when you're drifting away. Then he says the last thing in verse 16. Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this you will save both yourself and those who hear you. Save. He's not talking about getting born again. He's talking about protecting so if you want to protect yourself, take heed to doctrine. Second Timothy, let me, let me go over here before I close out. I don't know how long I've been up. Second Timothy 4, verse 1. I like to hear those pages turning. That's good, boy. That's music to a pastor's ears when you hear those pages turning. Second Timothy chapter 4. Verse 1. Some of y'all pages still turning. It was, it was the next book over. Just you know, first Timothy, second Timothy. <laughs> okay. It was just right, just one, it was right next door. Okay. I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will do what? Just a living and when? So we're all going to be judged, right? Okay, verse 2. Preach the word, preacher. Be ready in season and out of season. Here's what he says to do. Entertain the folks. So much preaching now is all about entertainment. Hey, that's not the point of preaching. Now, I'm not saying preaching can't be, uh, lessons can't be, you know, uh, humorous or whatever. But the point of it is to convince. What, you don't like this next line. Rebuke. That means everything can't sound good to you. Rebuke. Rebuke means stop doing that. All right. Exhort. And with all, I'm sorry, with all long suffering and what? Long suffering means I, we have to give you time to learn it. Give you time to get it. Amen. Be patient. All right. Come on. Come on. All right. We'll, we'll do it. And teaching. Why? Why must we do this? For the time will come. And our ladies and gentlemen, we are here now. When they, believers he's talking about, will not endure, come on, sound doctrine. But according to their own desires, because they have, they will heap for, up for themselves teachers because of something that they're looking for. They're trying to find somebody to validate their opinion. Somebody to validate how they feel. Somebody to validate their, their newfound uh, revelation that they got, you know, when they were smoking weed. They got a new revelation and they got to find some preacher to validate the new revelation they got. <laughs> uh 
Your eyes all open. Your third eye open, boy. My third eye. You smoke some good weed, then your third eye open up. And now you got to find some preacher's going to validate. See, they won't endure sound doctrine. So they'll heap for themselves teachers. So they find somebody. And YouTube will provide it. Facebook will provide it. And they will turn their ears. And they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. Fable means a made-up story. How do they get all the way? How do they get turned aside? How do they get turned out? Because they had a desire for something else. And they couldn't endure just sound teaching the truth. Ladies and gentlemen, Please check yourself before you wreck yourself. And make sure you've not developed an itching ear for fables. That you've not developed an intolerance for the truth. That is just so boring when pastors just preaching from the word of God. I need him to put up a prop and I need him to have a skit and I need him to say it this way and Make me laugh and it's a sorry parent that'll feed their children cookies all day long. Come on, Come on. I'm sorry if I offended anybody. I'm, I'm assuming I don't have any of those kind of parents here. That's why I said that. But it's a sorry sack of potatoes that'll feed their children. Noodles and fries, just noodles and fries and chicken nuggets all day long. You mean never any vegetables? Never any fruit? Living things that the body needs to survive? And when you do that, if you do that and you let it go long enough and that child gets malnutrition, the doctors will then accuse you and the police will then arrest you for negligence. Oh, no, I was feeding my child. Yeah, but you weren't feeding the child what they needed. That's negligent. So when people walk around here and they're in the world, I'm, I'm in the world, I'm, I'm watching preaching on TV. I'm watching all this kind of stuff on, on YouTube. Yeah, but what are you feeding yourself? The truth or fables? As you say, you don't want the truth? No, I'm not saying I'm all on the truth. There are plenty of pastors out there preaching the truth. But people, I'm just telling you what the Bible said. In the last days, they'll turn away from truth. They'll gather to themselves teachers having itching ears. Oh, boy. If I can just have three people that still love me, I'll keep preaching. I won't quit. Paul said in Romans 125, in Romans 125, Paul says that the people exchange the truth for a lie. So it's possible to exchange the truth for a lie. That's why Jesus gave us something called a fivefold ministry. Put up Ephesians chapter 4, please. Ephesians 4, 11 through 14. I'll read this and then 
I'll probably break from, got two minutes here. And he himself, that's Jesus, after he ascended, he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Keep going, please. Why? For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, right? That's what we're equipped for. For the edifying of the body of Christ. Okay, keep going. Till we all come to the what? And of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Watch verse 14. That we should no longer be children. Be who? Children. 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 Peter said, desire the sense and milk of the word that you may grow thereby. So when you get born again, you're not supposed to stay a child. You're supposed to desire the sense and milk of the word. Just teach me the nitty gritty word. So I can grow. I'm just going to look at the screen. So you don't no longer be children tossed to and fro. This is what children, this is how children are. Tossed to and fro and carried about with what? Every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. That means people, they're plotting to get you. They're scheming to get you away from Christ. So they'll spoon feed you with all kind of junk and gunk and fruity tooty stuff. That's not from the truth to draw you away. Paul dealt with this all through his ministry. You read about Paul in the book of Acts from chapter 13, uh, book of Acts through verse through chapter 28. It's all about Paul's ministry. And Paul dealt with the Jews who would come and try to unteach the Gentiles everything he taught them. He said because they were trying to draw them away into Judaism and not into Christ. And so the danger that we face in today's time is that people are trying to draw us into, into I can say, Hinduism and into Islam and into New Age Come on, it's in the church. It's in the church. Chrislam. I know Chrislam. It's the Christian Islam merger that's being pushed in churches. Chrislam. Kabbalah. A Jewish offset. Things that are being pushed in churches. That if you and I are not careful, if we don't do what, I only got as far as Hebrews 2, 1 today. If we don't give more earnest heed to the things we have heard, we will find ourselves drifting away. You look up one day and you have no fellowship with Christ. Even if Somehow you're still in relationship with him. You have no fellowship with him anymore. And you become estranged. You ever heard of people whose marriages, they, they're estranged spouses or an estranged child? People become estranged because they have no more fellowship. But what's our precaution that we take? I take more honesty to what I've heard. 
Pastor, give it to me raw. Just tell me, what, tell me the truth. Just t- tell me the truth. I don't need any sugar coating. <laughs> just no chaser, right? Just, just tell me raw, what does the word say? Because I want to make sure I please God. I want to do things the way the word of God says. Because I don't want to look up 25 years after I've been born again and one day realize, wait a minute, I'm, I've drifted away. It'll be a very sad day. Very sad day. But how do we prevent that? We give more than it's heard. More than it's heed to the things we've heard. We stay on that word. Stay on that word every day. Don't seek to be entertained. Let God enlighten you with his word every day. Even the parts you don't like. Let me ask you a question. Anybody ever found any parts of the Bible you don't like? Tell the truth. Okay, yeah, me too. Clint, I'm like, I don't like that. I don't, I don't really want to do that. <laughs> That's truth be told. But I realize if I'm going to please God, I'm going to go ahead and do this. I'm going to go ahead and forgive. I'm going to go ahead and release. I'm going to go ahead and walk in love. I'm going to do what my flesh doesn't feel like doing, what my soul does not want to agree to, but my spirit knows it's right. Why? I don't want to drift. I'm going to set my anchor down in Jesus and his word so I don't go anywhere. Amen? That's all the time I have. Give God a praise for that. Come on, you can stand on your feet and give God a praise today. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I've got, I've got a long ways to go into that, and I, and, uh, I normally over-prepare. I don't know why I do that, but just the Lord just gives me so much stuff, and I, I want to I make sure I don't give you a lot of my opinion. I want to give you the word of God, because that's what will stand forever. My, my opinion is worth nothing in eternity. What's worth everything is the word of God. And when you and I have that, we can, because uh, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Amen. Father God, today I thank you so much for these, your people who have gathered to hear your word. I thank you that, Lord, each person, I, I declare, has had an ear to hear, an eye to see, and hearts to receive. And God, we, we today appreciate the times that you give us to do these evaluations, these checkups to see where we are in you, to make sure that, Lord, we've not walked away or drifted away from the foundations that you've established for us. We don't want to be those who remove foundations or remove the ancient landmarks that our fathers have set. God, we want to walk in your will and your way. We want to work out our salvation with fear and trembling, knowing that it's you that works in us both to will and to do for your good pleasure. Now, Father, I pray that each person today will carry out, even as you've had me to do, this evaluation of myself to remember back when I received that precious gift from my natural father. Just like you, our spiritual father, you've given us such a precious gift of salvation. And how I let other things enter in and I begin to neglect and abandon and be careless about that gift that I eventually misplaced the lost that never found it, don't know where it is. God, you certainly don't want any of us to experience that 
Your word says, Father, that the day of the Lord will not come except there first come a falling away. And God, we don't want to be found among those who fall away from you, who depart from the faith, who leave things, who leave the way like Demas did, having loved this present world. But we want to be found serving you when Jesus comes. We want to be found walking with you, loving you, uh, operating in your kingdom. And God, I pray that each person today, as we make that evaluation, we realize, all of us, that you made it so simple. When you said, if we return to you, you'll return to us. <laughs> God, that's so simple. It's so easy. And so we thank you, Lord, that as we return, you return to us. In fact, you've always been there waiting for us the same way that that man waited for that prodigal son to return and ran to meet him. Thank you that you run to meet us to reestablish that fellowship, that connection that we had. Now, I pray that each and every one of these are people that we will grow stronger and stronger and stronger in you. And not only for ourselves, but be a light to others, like, a, like lighthouses, that others will come back and find their way back to that fellowship with you, we pray in Jesus' name. So be it. Amen. And give our Father God a great hand of praise today again.